welcome to On A Good Day with me, Elizabeth Callahan, And me, Julia Ajayi. This is the podcast which delves into brain injury and its impact on all involved. Hello and welcome to this week's episode with Elizabeth and Julia. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how the roles change when your partner has a brain injury. Sometimes the actions and responsibilities someone used to have before their brain injury are no longer possible, certainly in the short term, but often longer term too. It may mean that husband, wife, partner or next of kin has to take on new responsibilities. And this is something both Julia and I have experienced, and it really does shift the dynamic of the relationship. So this is something we're going to be exploring today. So Julia, first of all, tell me a bit about how your relationship with Hector, your husband, worked before his brain injury and what responsibilities you shared and how it was balanced between you. Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. I think this is such a big question, isn't it? And it's really been uh, useful and interesting to reflect on that in thinking about our podcast episode today. I think uh, before Hector's brain injury, we... Um, had what I would describe as quite a balanced relationship in terms of duties and responsibilities and decision-making. We both worked, we had joint finances, we, um, because we worked both uh, took care of the, the children and domestic duties, we both drove. You know, I, I think in many senses, it was very balanced. The other thing, aspect of our relationship before Hector's brain injury that was important for us was that we also both had our own space to do our own independent things and we both gave that to each other which was important for us both so we would sometimes um, you know have social situations that he would see his friends um, and then I would go and see my friends separately And obviously we had joint um, social occasions, which we greatly enjoyed as well. But I think that doing things independently was always important for us too. What about you and Paul? Yeah, it has been really interesting thinking about this, hasn't it? Paul did a lot actually before he was very, before his brain injury. So he was very much a planner and always loved planning things, whether it be holidays you know seeing friends going out to restaurants um, and he loved booking things he, he was a really really proactive and always looking towards the future which is certainly something that has definitely shifted and he used to kind of be you know go 100 miles an hour really working socializing and obviously doing that planning planning events whether it be sporting or as well he's you know loves sport loves going to the rugby the football and I think he quite liked to have that control over it you know I we sometimes laugh and say you know a bit of a control freak but we were like I say so I was working part-time when he had his brain injury after going um back after my second child she was still pretty young but a little toddler but there was a balance, you know, whilst he did a lot of the financial stuff, he used to do kind of the tax returns um, as well, fun, which I was very happy for him to do. I kind of did know, a bit more of the childcare aspects. He would do some of the nursery runs as well, actually. 
Yeah, it, it was really well shared. If I'm honest, he probably did do a little bit more because he seemed to really enjoy and thrive from taking on those responsibilities. So I guess when he did get sick, it, it was a bit of a, well, obviously it's completely life-changing anyway, but there was that switch up where I had to learn very quickly about all the finances, how to do all the, you know, find out all the documents for the tax returns, all those things, which actually I didn't really, I wasn't really across at all. So it was quite a steep learning curve. Yes, I think one of the big changes for me from us both working full time was suddenly not working, back to being in hospital, and how that whole domestic scene completely changed and I think that 12 years on there's a you know the way that we're now dealing with things is very different from that crisis point and I think there's been an evolution in the change but there were some things that I had to take full responsibility for overnight the children the finances communication decision making and some of those things I am still, I would say, uh, certainly have more responsibility for now than before Hector's brain injury. Some of those things are quite interesting in terms of how we maintain the balance in our relationship as well. And I think it's always a challenge. I still feel it's a challenge, even after all of this time, to make sure that we are both feeling as independent in the relationship as well as providing the support that Hector needs to be as independent as possible. It, it's a fine balancing act, isn't it? Like you were saying, we, Paul and I, ha, you know, would do lots of things on our own as well, had our own social events as well as ones together. And that's something that... Uh, you know, since his brain injury, I felt is really important for him to have that, to have his friends. I remember the first time he was sort of getting the train on his own to go and meet some friends in town or, you know, having discussions with some of his friends about how it would work and who would come home with him. But, you know, just that feeling of being able to go and meet his friends. And to be honest, that still does annoy him that we, you know sometimes discuss how Paul's going to get home, which is less now, but certainly at the beginning, you know, it frustrated him a little bit or, you know, the fact that people were looking out for him or watching his drinking, um, things like that, which has lessened over, over time. And for me, everything changed when he first got sick. Like Hector, he was in a coma for quite some time. And actually, we'd had a holiday booked to Mexico. I mean, it sounded fabulous. Paul had arranged it all. It was quite a complex itinerary. We were going here, there and everywhere for 10 days. And I didn't really have a clue about what he'd booked. So it was going, having to go through his emails, unpick what had been booked, getting medical letters to give to the insurance company to be able to get our money back on things, finding out those bookings, going through his emails, which fortunately I had his phone, so I was able to do that. And actually, I do know most of his passwords, which thank goodness, 
Oh, passwords, passwords still. Oh, my word. I mean, passwords are bad enough, aren't they? Just personally. They're bad enough when you have them, but when you have to remember your partners, you have to try and get them to remember because Paul doesn't really. I don't know about Hector. No, we still laugh about passwords because, and, and in fact, it's great you brought up passwords because passwords are so personal, aren't they? And they almost really encapsulate that whole discussion that we're having about control, decision making what you protect, you know, your own space, your your own identity, your own processes, your own decision-making. You know, there are so many passwords to so much that we have now. Hector couldn't remember his passwords. And obviously safety, you know, passwords also represent safety, don't they? That's why they're there, to keep us safe online. And But they are such a huge barrier all of a sudden they became a huge barrier. You know, the bank was saying, well, what are your passwords to this? Well, I don't know, because they weren't mine, they were his. So yeah, passwords, I have to say, they do always elicit a reaction from both of us. Um, I think the, the other thing I was thinking about that's been quite big for us is driving. I don't know how it is for you, but uh, Hector's been in and out of, of having a license because of his seizures. And he was love driving he always loves driving has loved driving and and again I think a bit like I was saying about passwords you know being behind the wheel choosing what's on the radio when you stop where you're going you know all of a sudden when you can't do that actually that's that's a really big thing to lose and or to hand over to someone or to watch someone me doing that instead of it it being him and I know that's been very frustrating for him. And also at times I feel, actually, I wish I didn't have to drive. I would like to be ha- able to hand this over as well. So I think that sometimes there's a double frustration, isn't there? For the person wanting to be able to do it and you not wanting to have to do it. And I think that's where the balancing act comes in and, and being kind to each other about that and being kind to yourself. Uh, and recognising that. And I think when we have those situations, I always try and talk about that where I can and verbalise it, because I do feel that that takes out then some of the frustration and allows uh, me to ask for the support that I might need in that situation from Hector and for him to be able to give it to me. Driving has been a big one for us as well. Paul used to love driving. We used to do lots of road trips to France and he really thrived, would love, like he did with the whole planning of the trip, then he would drive and I would offer, and sometimes I would, especially if he wanted to have a drink, um, (laughs) you know, when it suits them. Um, But, you know, now he can't at all. So Paul is not able to drive at the moment. He does have some visual issues and actually he's not particularly confident to be able to do that yet anyway. Um, seizure wise, he he could, it's been over a year since his last seizure, but I know it really frustrates him when I'm driving and we do, you know, now we have been abroad since we did a road trip through Tuscany, which 
I definitely crammed far too much in. There was a lot of driving and there was lots of me organizing the two children and Paul to do stuff and, you know, was was in charge of that decision making to a large extent. During COVID, we've stayed in the UK and it's been trips to Devon, it's been trips to Dorset, which is, you know, still pretty far to drive. And I've, I've obviously taken that on. He is a bit of a backseat driver. So sometimes I feel a little unappreciated. because <laughs> There's some slight moaning, but sometimes, but on, on the whole, actually, he is really good. I think the biggest thing where that has impacted as well is he's unable to take the kids maybe to, you know, swimming like he would have or take them out somewhere and kind of help with the activities um, concerning the children. So unless it's walkable or it's on a train, fortunately, we live in London. There are many, many places we can get to without actually needing a car. And I know that's different for you guys, but it does mean that Paul's had that element of independence. He's able to go see his friends in central London when they finish work on the train. He's able to, you know, get the bus somewhere. That's definitely been a big deal for him to be able to do that. Yes, I think independent travel is is huge, isn't it? And uh, we are in a village, as you know, so we don't have the same kind of facilities on the doorstep. But we have um, applied for and got a a disabled person's bus pass and rail card, which have both been useful. I think the other challenging aspect to it is taking... Hector to places that he wants to go because there isn't always a bus at the right time and it needs a lift to the rail station so him having to ask um, and feeling that that's putting an extra burden on me which I know he does do sometimes Uh, but at the same time I think we are work you know we're we're working that out we we do manage that day to day and I think I have resigned myself to the fact that um, I'm doing driving for all of us really and also with a, with a teenager, there's quite a lot of lifts at the moment involved too. So it's something that uh, we're moving in and out of and negotiating, which again give us, gives us those negotiating skills for other areas. Uh, I was also thinking about conversation and how we have that and conversation socially. And Hector's now much quieter than he used to be and he used to lead many conversations and often entertain lots of people with his loud conversation which isn't the same case now and I think I've often tried to fill in the gaps with conversation which I very much enjoy but that certainly changed dynamics too for for us and it's something that um, I love to talk but sometimes I also feel frustrated that There might be times when I want to sit back and listen, but I feel that I'm driving the conversation forward or having to lead the conversation. Is that something you find as well? I think Paul's getting a lot better at that now. I think to start with, when he was struggling, finding the words to say, I would help explain or initiate. Um, But he does go out and see his friends quite a lot. But get him on a subject that he enjoys and he will talk, you know, football, um, politics sometimes. 
Um, but certainly if it's something sporting, he will very happily talk. And it's great for him to have those friends around him that he can do that with. I suppose conversationally between us, things have definitely changed and there's not maybe the depth of conversation or the subject matters are slightly different than than we would have had previously. I do feel I often do drive some of that conversation as well. It is different. It is a lot different. Um, and, and I feel, gosh, I have, I, I'm starting to give back a, more responsibilities because, you know, to start with, when they're really, really sick and they can barely walk, talk, and they're going through that really, you know, first part of their rehab, you do have to do everything. Paul was in hospital for 10 months. So I was looking after the children, sorting the finances, taking them to all their activities, taking them to school. So I really got used to that role actually of doing everything um, without him there. And then when he came home, obviously I had all of that to sort out, but also I had to look after as well and we did have a little bit of help initially to do that so that he could be left in the house with someone he couldn't really be left on in the house on his own or walk on his own initially but now it's that give it starting to give back some of that control back to him and he really wants really really wants it because that's something he was so so used to and so it is that dynamic of that frustration, actually. It's like, well, I used to sort all of that out that he's got in him. I used to sort all of that out and now you're doing it all. And there was a stage where I did feel like he was being quite ungrateful and, and quite angry. And I understood why it was all of his stuff going on, his processing of him not being the person that he used to be. But also it, it felt a little bit like, Mm, you're not appreciating what I've done. I've been holding the fort for all this time. And it's things like actually quite big things that I had to go through. And in a way, it was quite empowering that I had to step up. I really had to step up and take all of that on. And it's made me realize, gosh, why wasn't I as in control of the finances? Why didn't I know all of this stuff, how to sort all the tax returns out and, you know, deal with our other business affairs um so it's definitely made me realize gosh it's very important for all relationships to be across that and to have an, an, an understanding so one of the big things that I did virtually my Paul had obviously helped with the decision making but I had to sort all of the details out when we bought a new house and that can be pretty stressful as most people know so we bought a house sold a house um, and I kind of took on all of those responsibilities so it's things like that you look back and think oh gosh I did did all of that but hey well done well done me for kind of doing that in a way you know because that's not something I necessarily did before Paul when we bought uh, one of our you know first homes Paul completely sorted it all out so actually it was really good for me to go through that process and also sort out um you know the payments that you're entitled to um to help him with that the you know the personal independence payments pip sorting that out for him helping him plan his day i know that's something that you help hector with 
and 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 just talking to having communications with the bank with insurance companies um etc anything in authority where they want to speak to that person and you kind of have to hand the phone over and he say yes i give permission for my wife to speak um yeah which i'm sure you've yes. had many a time uh, yes every every phone conversation as it goes through that at the beginning. And I think you've touched on a lot of things there, actually. Giving back control is so important. And being further along in, in that journey, 12 years on from Hex's brain injury, I think it's one of the most important things that we are still looking at every day. And I think that in order to maintain the family and the dynamics they're often people or I have seen situations where partners don't give back any control they become so used to it and obviously some of that is related to the capabilities of the person after their brain injury but I think that to be able to do that wherever possible is so important important for us as partners to be able to share those responsibilities and for the person with brain injury to regain some of their own identity and some of that capability to take on responsibilities may have changed but there will be so many areas where people can take on sometimes new things that they didn't do before in other areas which opens up a whole new aspect of of life and and our relationship and I think that's certainly been the case for us so although there's been changes in relationships and driving and passwords actually there's been some great joys in the time that we've actually had together Um, we've had more time together we've been able to explore different more local things that we've done together and build new friendships as well new friendships that have, have been with friends since Hector's had the brain injury and I think that they have brought great joy to us because there have been people that haven't had to deal with an expect you know any change in the way that we have been individually and as a couple and they have got to know us as we are now which has been a you know a, a real strength I think for us a real support for us to have those new friends who've been able to do that. That's really wonderful. And I second that in having new challenges that they can step up to. Paul is volunteering. He's applied for some volunteering within the hospitals to help other stroke survivors. But also he's today, for instance, he's helping out with the elderly at a church event uh, in helping they you know I think it's every couple of weeks they put on a meal for them so normally he would have been rushing around doing work and not have that opportunity to have those social and community connections so that's great for him and he's a very sociable person and he absolutely loves connecting with other people so not only is that helping him to do that it's helping them and also it's helping his speech as well because obviously the more you speak the the, the better it's going to get and it's going to flow 
some of the responsibilities I'm giving back to him because it is very much you do so get used to absolutely doing everything and you're in that zone and I think six months ago I was suddenly like oh my goodness I am doing everything ah um so it was that process of like okay what can Paul do maybe think about what we could have for tea he can do the cooking or certainly start often it will be him chopping it may not get fully done and then I come and actually cook cook the thing because it's it's tiring for him he still suffers from fatigue when he's doing that and mentally it is a lot to be following a recipe and chopping and focusing on not hurting himself because there have been incidences where he's cut himself but in the very early days we've had a couple extra ingredients in the stew yeah, exactly. We've had a couple of A&E incidents, Julia. Oh, yeah, that was fun, but all good. And obviously his occupational therapist really helps hone in on some of those household tasks. So now the other day I even caught him ironing, which is not something he particularly enjoyed doing before. He'd do his own shirts, but off his own back, he's got it all out. Hector's great at ironing. He does oh. brilliant. That's certainly one of the things that has been amazing afterwards because I hate ironing and uh no Hector does loads of ironing loves it and oh, is that's great yeah no it's really good you were saying about volunteering as well I mean that's Hector volunteers once a week at the Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology in Cambridge and uh it's really important to him and to the museum you know they they rely on him and he's also volunteered at a National Trust place locally and it's his thing. It's his uh, work that he does. And it's great that that's his own responsibility. I don't get involved in that. Sometimes I help with some communications around it. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I think volunteering provides lots of opportunities for independence. And it's certainly not something that Hector would have even thought about before his brain injury. Just the concept of volunteering was. Uh, was not something that I think he would have uh, thought about doing. So that's that's been brilliant. That's really good, Julia. Brilliant. And going back, you mentioned about the decision making. And I think that's something that is coming along with Paul. But the way that I'm trying to facilitate this a little bit is by taking time for myself and going out and seeing a friend and saying, right, you've got the children. <laughs> For a few hours, what, what are you going to do? And actually, me stepping away, they've got so used to me being this kind of sole parent for quite a long time and coming to me for love, affection, support. Me removing myself, phys- you know, physically not being there has forced them to have to come to daddy they're still pretty young, so five and nine years old. So for him to be able to reconnect with them has been incredibly important. And also, you know, do bath time, do bedtime. That's responsibilities that I am giving, I've given him for quite some time. Um, They don't always love it, but we're getting there. We are getting there. And reading books. And also the other thing, he was started booking stuff again so I obviously said at the beginning he used to love booking holidays used to travel for work quite a lot so would book his own 
trains and flights if necessary. So now he's started doing that a lot more. He goes up and watches the football quite a lot or in he's a Leeds United fan. So he'll go up there, he'll see his family and he'll also do a bit of work up there as well. So he's booking his own trains. He even booked his own hotel the other day. So I'm hoping he's got the right day. <laughs> and he's, you know, got a fairly good deal on it. I don't know. Well, they all sound like really important steps. And I think I completely agree about stepping away and giving that space for the children to have time with their dad. Uh, I'm sure it would be the same for mums as well, um, if it's a mum that's had the brain injury. But just creating that space so that those relationships can flourish independently and I think that's so important. And the other flip side of that as well is that it's an investment for me in the times that I'm having away with my friends independently. And I talked earlier about new friends, but I've had some wonderful old friends who have, who have pulled me away and said, no, come on, let's have some time away. Let's just you and I do something together. And that has not only provided the opportunity for Hector to have time with the children on his own, but it's been really important for me, really important for me to have a break, to um, reconnect with my friends on my own level, you know, as, as in a way that I would have done before, and to keep investing in those friendships that have always been and still are so important to me. So I think it's uh, it's a win-win for everyone, really, in that kind of situation. Definitely. And Julia, I completely second what you're saying. My friends have been absolutely incredible and such a support for me. And being able to see them more, obviously COVID, it was tricky during that time, but going out and seeing them, having some time for me, not being the carer or, you know, supporter of someone with a brain injury, not being a mum for a few hours, just being able to enjoy being with friends, have adult conversations and, and talk about, you know, other things other than Paul. Obviously, Paul does often come up, but being able to remove yourselves from those responsibilities even if it's just for a few hours and knowing that everything at home is going to be okay and I feel in that position now where he is able to look after them to a standard and they're going to be okay particularly the older one you know can take some responsibility as well and obviously she's taken on some some additional responsibilities as well but I feel the balance is, I don't think it will ever be the same as what it was, but we're figuring out a new balance. We'll help empower him that will continue to empower me and work together in some way as some kind of team, because for a long time, I haven't felt like that. And I think we're still a long way from it being completely equal. It's still going to take some time. I will continue to take on more, more responsibilities, but I'm recognising that he needs some as well and he needs to feel that element of control, which he used to love. And I need to have time for me. 
and not do everything because, you know, it's just not sustainable. I think you've mentioned a wonderful word there, Elizabeth, and that's team. And I think we, Hector and I, are a team. We're a team together. And that doesn't mean that we have to be equal in terms of what we do. But I think that being a team is about being able to show each other mutual respect, kindness and love in a way that allows those responsibilities to be shared appropriately when they can be, to be negotiated when they can be, and for each person to feel safe in their own needs being taken care of. Absolutely. And on a small level, I remember the first time Paul could take my eldest daughter to school on his own. It was only at the end of the street. We used to live really close to the school, but it was such a big deal for him. It was such a big deal. And, you know, we're figuring out those small steps over time. And often it is really small steps, but those small steps lead to huge leaps over time. Who knows where the journeys are going to go, but we will find our way. I'd like to also mention Carers UK. They do provide some excellent information and advice. Their website is carersuk.org. We'll put some information about them in the show notes, and I'm sure we'll return to them in future podcast episodes. Identifying as a carer can sometimes be a challenge for us. It's not a label that everyone wants to use. But for those people that feel ready to, an organisation like Carers UK can provide lots of advice and guidance. And I certainly hope that this podcast discussion has helped people along the way as well. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.